Welcome to another episode of the Water Women Podcast, the podcast all things ocean. I'm your host, Jill. Welcome on to the Water Room Podcast. I'll get you to start out introducing yourself with your full name, what pronouns you like to use, and then like a little bit about who you are. Okay, cool. My name is Jess. My pronouns are she, her, and I guess I'm considered a water woman. You sure yeah. are. I officially got my <laughs> master's, so now I can say I'm officially a water woman. And yeah, just a your entry, basic entry-level marine biologist trying to make her way in the world. <laughs> I always refer to myself as like a baby biologist or a baby yeah. marine biologist and someone's like no like you have a, a degree like yeah I'm like no not yet <laughs> absolutely not yeah <laughs> that's terrifying please don't make me do that yeah <laughs> so congratulations on getting your master's Thanks. that's yeah. so exciting and yeah. leaves the doorways open for the whole what's next question which I will not ask you because I know how stressful it is yeah I do actually like it's all right. I already know what's next. You I'm know. like P- PhD or best, pretty much. He's ready. Yeah. He's ready to yeah. go. How many times have you been asked the well, what now question? Quite a lot. I feel like my friends and family are like, well, what are you going to do now? Because, you know, I think everyone in the biology or like marine biology world knows that you kind of nowadays need sort of some sort of post grad yeah. degree. And after I got my master's, I was like, ooh, I'm not ready for the real world now. So I'm going to stay in the comfort of my university. <laughs> I plan to be a student forever. Thank you yeah. very much. That's yeah. <laughs> Can I afford that? No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still going to try. I'm going to try. I yeah. always joke that like my plan is to get my master's. Then after my master's, get my PhD. And like, what's after my PhD? Mary Rich. That's yeah. It. Yeah. That's yeah. It. I really hope my boyfriend goes to med school. Like, no, fingers crossed. He's set for life. Yeah. That would be ideal. Like, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when did you kind of decide, decide to become a water woman? Like, when was it when you were really young? Did you always yeah. know? Or was it later on in life? I was, I'm one of those people that have known what I wanted to do for my entire life. My parents, I'm an only child, so my parents needed to take me out on the weekends. And number one place was the Seattle Aquarium. And that's where I just, like fell in love with marine marine biology especially I I think they still do this but um when I was a kid they had the southern resident orca like trading cards and they used to give them out at the aquarium and so my friend has all of them still I'm not sure if I have mine but there that's just where it's like there's there's an orca named oreo I need to learn all about this orca and like what it's doing out in the world this is so cool so yeah it was really the seattle aquarium and the orca trading cards for the southern resident orcas i love that yeah yeah that's so cute yeah it was a really great way to get like all of us engaged as kids well that's really interesting like I feel like as a kid when you're learning like the aquarium is really cool because you can physically see it but then to have those like trading cards that keep it in your mind like you're like oh this is like I so object permanence, you know, like as a kid, if I'm not, yeah. at it, it does not exist. I'm yeah, like, exactly. So yeah, that must be, that was, that's such a cool idea to have those like little trading cards. Yeah. Learn all about. I think they still have them. Yeah. I hope so. If not, I will be right yeah. here saying get those. Yeah. Cards. Get them back. Yeah. So you, when did you kind of realize that you could like turn this into a career in a way, like kind of like pursue this, like 
because I remember that being like a very pivotal moment yeah. for me like in high school being like oh I love the ocean oh there's ocean jobs like I don't yeah. have an office. Yeah. so like when did you kind of learn that and what made you how did you pursue it this is kind of, I feel like this is kind of a bad story considering now what we know about uh, like marine mammals in captivity but this is like what um my parents took me to SeaWorld when I was like four <laughs> or five and the like orca trainers you know when they were like doing all these flips to like a four-year-old I was like yes I want to there I can swim with whales all day and like turn this into a career that is what I want to do with my life and then obviously now it's like morphed into like not that <laughs> that's probably not a good thing to do <laughs> I feel like we were just talking I recorded with Vanessa yesterday and we were mm. just talking about how like as a young girl your first intro is always like I want to be a dolphin trainer yeah that's, yeah that's my ultimate goal and then as yeah. you're like um maybe I maybe I don't want to do yeah forever <laughs> like, yeah maybe that's not like a super great thing but I mean it did start me into like yeah. what are what are whales what are dolphins like that's these true. things look so friendly and I can hang out with them yeah yeah let's so let's do that I will say like as much as like you don't want like you're like thumbs down for like animals yeah be, like I feel like there's a whole generation of us that would not have gone into marine science had it not been without it world or marine land like free willy yeah exactly so you're like yeah. thank you but let's yeah no more okay yeah let's move away from this <laughs> i love this so yeah. this as we're talking about this it kind of sounds like you went the marine mammal route but you did I definitely did you definitely did absolutely yeah <laughs> you also did a couple other things so like did you pursue marine mammals like throughout your undergrad absolutely not i <laughs> i've known like I kind of knew going into like marine when I started like university, I was like marine mammals is going to be hard to get into. Like yeah. everyone, everyone and their mother is like, I want to, I want to work with dolphins. I want to work with whales. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of knew that I was like, all right, I need to either get like some basic experience with like skills that could be like interpreted through like all aspects of marine biology. So including like marine mammals, but also like not yeah. them, you know, invertebrates or fish or whatever. But I did like, and I also wasn't sure if I wanted to go into research. So I, for, for like the longest time, I was like, maybe I want to do outreach. So I kind of tried to do a lot of stuff that involved like outreach and like education towards like the mass public. So yeah, that's kind of, I, I kind of did a mix. I did like I worked on a cruise ship for a while as their like onboard naturalist and like sailed all over Alaska teaching people about like whales and dolphins and seals, sea otters, just all the marine stuff around Alaska. But then I like switched tactics after I realized I kind of hated that. <laughs> and so then I decided, um, well, I got offered an internship um, with the Pacific Whale Foundation in Maui. And I did like six months as their research intern doing research right. on like dolphins. And that's when I was like, yep, research, that's it. Um, dolphins research, that's it for me. But you know, that <laughs> nice. Is so cool. that's yeah, so they're great. I love, I loved it there. There's they are their research that comes out of there is just like top notch. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it was like yeah when I left I was like are you sure like I can stay like I wasn't even getting paid I was just a you know unpaid research intern I was like I will stay I will stay and oh. like volunteer it's hard not to when you're trying to time. I know right yeah especially like I'm sure in Australia that's <laughs> unreal so yeah. 
back to you. <laughs> so you had all these jobs, like, was this all through your undergrad or was this like between your undergrad? and Yeah, this was between my undergrad and master's. Um, I like, I graduated in June of 2018 and then I had, I had applied for my master's and I had gotten in, but it didn't start until January or like February ish. So I had like nine months to figure out what I wanted to do. So I was like, let's gain some, let's go, let's go all around, see what yeah, I actually want to do. So use that, that's, time. use that. Yeah. So that's what cool. was your master's and what, like, what drew you to it? Like, what made you think like, yeah, this is a master's I want to do, because I feel like it's like, we've talked about marine mammals a lot and then yeah. like, a hard right. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> Veer, Veer's completely different. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like, marine mammals I t- I've like talked about the trading cards but they also um at the aquarium had like the sounds that orcas would make to each other and then I th- and when I was a kid I was like I want to decode the orca language I'm so fascinated I want to know what they're saying to each other the sounds they make are so cool so I was I always like, like would have been like really good friends as kids right but we also would have been those like two weird girls that are yeah just, like, like no one else talks to yeah e- e- just like eating at each other <laughs> we're like we speak whale well, guys yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah so I just was kind of like yeah that would be really cool if I could you know figure out what whales are saying to each other and that was always in the back of my mind going through like life like, oh it always comes back to acoustics somehow so when I did my master's I like had a had an idea I like I, I was at the University of Auckland I like kind of still am but I talked to some people about I talked to Rochelle Constantine who gave me some really great advice she's like the University of Auckland's main marine mammal researcher and I was like I want to you know do something with whales and dolphins and she was like my best the best advice I can give to you is do something unrelated to any species you ever want to work with and gain skills in your master's and I was like okay and I took that to heart and that and she was really good friends and still is with with my super the person that ended up being supervised under Dr. Craig Radford and he's like the sound god I guess of of the marine world and so when I went and was like yeah I want to do acoustics he's like what do you want to do and I was like whales and dolphins he was like you can do lobsters and I was like great <laughs> guess we're going with that yeah I love that he's like yeah whales and dolphins no yeah lobsters yes it's so funny because we're going to come to this but like lobsters bioacoustics. yeah what? yeah really really strange very very interesting right there yeah we get to that so like what was it about bioacoustics? Like you said, you wanted to decode the orca's language. Yeah, kind of just like going off that, or was pretty much. Like, yeah. yeah, I I guess I've always just been really fascinated with like how like animals communicate with each other. It's just you see all these you know planet Earth and like David Attenborough be like, and now the the alpha male just like communicates that he wants to go off and do this. And it's like how like how do they know they're that? not speaking to each other? Yeah, so. I, I just, I've always been like super fascinated with how animals can just interact with each other and know just like not very well, like based on like these really subtle cues, like what's going on in their environment. So it's so cool. So yeah, but your master's was on lobster and yeah. of lobster. Yeah. 
what the heck because yeah do lobsters make noise like they do yeah so where I live where I've grown up is on the Bay Mm -hmm. of Bundy which has like a hugely prevalent like lobster fishery yeah I like to think I'm pretty familiar with lobster yeah apparently not yeah (laughs) um so there's a species of lobster in New Zealand. It's called the New Zealand spiny rock lobster. And it's actually technically a crayfish because it doesn't have any of the, the pinchers. Um, yeah, they're, they're giant. They're the size of lobsters, though. They're, they're, they're very, very large. They're really important, um, like, keystone species okay. in, the, in the, like, range of what lives down there in, like, kelp forests. It's, like, snapper lobsters and then everything else. So. Cool. They are really important because they eat a lot of the local sea urchins down there, which are called kinna. And obviously we know if that's not kept under check, we can, can lead to kinna barons so, or urchin barons. Yeah. What, are, what is that? So when you take a predator out of a um, food web, such as like a higher, higher order predator out of a food web, um, the lower order grazers or smaller kind of feeders come in and take over yeah. the, the area. So in the terms of kelp forest, you take away something like a lobster, then the, the urchins go unregulated and they just eat all the kelp. And so basically what's happening in areas of New Zealand and on like the west coast of the United States and I'm sure all over the world, there is just these massive land areas that are just filled with sea urchins because they just they eat anything they're just like like, the kelp is gone gone yeah completely gone it's um so cool in the way that that's cool that that happens not that it's cool that it happens yeah yeah it's like they're just they're just like little mouths they just go around they eat anything they don't care they just love it yeah so the the lobsters that i study are really important for um, they're just like a very important predator and yeah. they're functionally extinct in the in the area that I was oh, no way. working in because they're highly, highly overfished. Wow. Regulation is not great. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was um, just, you know, I thought that they would be pretty cool. My supervisor had already had a bunch of lobsters and his previous um, master student had done kind of a similar thing that I was doing with crabs and um, these like little paddle crabs that live in New Zealand where they have their, I actually don't know what they look like, but I think they have little paddles on their like back feet and they're like swimming crabs. So he, he was like, you can try to do her thesis like over again, essentially. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. Um, because I think the reason they wanted to do it was she ended up doing her PhD on the same lobsters that I was using, but she was doing something completely different, unrelated to what I was doing. But she would find every time that she would go out and feed them, they'd make these weird noise. And she's like, what the heck? Let's do this for, let's see what's going on. And she never got around to it, to her PhD. So she, they kind of like gave it to me and was like, figure it out. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Is this noise like something that's like audible to human ears or is it one of those ocean noises that's like ocean only kind of thing? No, you can definitely hear it. Um, It's like very like soft. You kind of have to be listening carefully. Okay. Um, But for the most part, you can, like, when I would go in and, like, look at my program to see where it is, I could hear it if I just turned, like, computer volume all the way up. 
Okay. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. Do you want to play? I can play it for you if you want Absolutely. to. Absolutely. That would Let's be see. so cool. Let's see. It's I've, I have to like give a preface that I've, I've kind of altered this so you can hear it a lot better. Okay. But. Well, that's fine. That's fine. That's allowed. Uh, I have like a QR code because I did a poster for it about, um, I did, I went to a conference and did a poster and I was like, oh, everyone should hear this. So let's see if I can. Yeah, so those are like, those are, the, that's not all the same lobster. I, I like put together like <laughs> six different so, ones. Yeah. So cool. So are you trying to figure out like how they're making this noise? Why they're making this noise? Yeah, my thesis kind of covered why they were making this noise. Um, we, we were going to try to do how as well, but <laughs> COVID, yeah, it was a thing that happened last year and it screwed everyone's research up. Yeah. If there's one person that came out unscathed from COVID, I would love yeah. to hear from them. Yeah. yeah. I, feel like, I feel like it just kind of went like, blew up. Just everything. Yeah. yeah. So I did a couple different trials just to like see what, like when and where, how, or like <laughs> why they made the rasping noise. Um, so I put them... Um, it was all lab work. I didn't go out into the field at all. Um, and I just had these specially designed tanks that were like soundproof and, um, they had like cameras over them to see, to watch them so I could record their behavior as well. And, um, I, the first trial I did was just individual to like, just make sure that all of my, my lobsters <laughs> were making, were making sound. Um, and I just, I put them in a tank overnight for like 16 hours because they're kind of um they are what's the word is it uh crepsicular or they're like dusk to dawn kind of active oh, okay yeah yeah i might be saying that word wrong <laughs> my boyfriend says i say that word wrong so. That's fine. No, on water women podcast there's no correct ways to say because i mispronounce everything so it's fine it's excellent yeah <laughs> So I, yeah, I put them in there. Um, I had a range of sizes, which like corresponded to like different ages. Um, and they all came back and they all made, they, well, I wouldn't say all of them, all of them, <laughs> but three voluntarily created, like created a rasp overnight. And that. so then I used the ones that did create a rasp and then I put them into my individual or to my other trials. So I did a feeding trial um, and a group trial. So I put three lobsters into a tank and I like randomized the sizes and, and like ages pretty much, you know, all the things you have to do yes, <laughs> to, yes. to properly do your methods. All the um, mystical, annoying things. You have. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I put some in um, just by themselves with like two other lobsters. And then I put some in with food um, and I recorded their behavior and the sounds in the tank to see if they were like creating more rasps or if their rasps were um, their mechanisms. Oh, what's the word for it? I had a specific word for it. They're, it's like they're free. There was, I was measured a lot of different things about their rasps, like the frequency, the duration, the peak frequency, 
that kind of thing. And there's a specific word to combine all of those into one. They're measurements. That's it. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I couldn't even think of that either. I'm like, yeah. like racking my brain. I'm like, I know this word. That yeah. It's a, it's a simple word. <laughs> so I just had, I like measured all these different aspects about their rasp and um, compared them to without food and then with food. And then I also um, did another trial where I put a speaker in the water and had the rasp play back to them to see if it um they like re-communicated with it yeah or yeah did something so what I found in the feeding trial was that they were actually creating more rasps than normal with oh. yeah than uh, without food basically and uh the rasps were their measurements were significantly like statistically significantly different than than the other the, the rasps without food so that was kind of interesting. So then I took that those feeding rasps and played them back. That's what I played back through the speaker. And what I found was they didn't really communicate with the rasp more or their, their rasping didn't change with feeding grass being played back, but the activity level in the tanks increased and they started like foraging for oh. within the tank. So I think yeah, I think it's something to do with food and my favorite foraging science is that yeah. like you've completed this master's and you're still like, like it could be food, but we yeah, definitively say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, and then the behaviors that I recorded were really interesting. The if I had a large lobster in the tank and like two small lobsters, the large lobster would like bully the smaller one oh. stand in front of the food bag because I, I put food just like in a bag that was inaccessible to them and he, he they would stand in front of it and like push lobsters away and rasp at them like don't come near this this is my food so it's yeah it's kind of like very interesting behavior I found yeah, yeah. so cool so like yeah so you are looking at like why they do it and you think it has something to do with food. Like yeah. I think that's what, and I'm sure there's other like functions of it as well. And yeah. Different scenarios, but you found a lot when it came down to the food. Yeah. Pretty, pretty much. <laughs> I think, so cool. yeah, I think um, like, obviously I couldn't do any of the, I say, obviously this is very obvious to me. I only had one female in, in my entire like lobster oh. population. So I couldn't, you know, do any like reproduction okay. or mating and I couldn't do any of the, like the predator prey interactions. Cause okay. I didn't really, <laughs> really want to do that. There's some also, we just couldn't do it. I feel yeah. like there's some ethical considerations when you're doing predator prey. Like, yeah. let me just throw a predator into a prank. Yeah. Prey. Like, sorry guys. Like, yeah. <laughs> questionable. So, yeah. So there's definitely a lot more that I could like go in to study about like what's happening with why these rasps are being made and like what's going on with that. But yeah, something with food. That's that's basically the the outcome that I the potential, the potential. That's what we think right now. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's so funny when looking like I've always found bioacoustics so incredibly interesting and I've always wanted to like know what animals are saying. Yeah. And I think it's so crazy that it's one of those things that's like, we could study this forever, mm -hmm. but we'll never know. Exactly. Like, yeah. We, like until, until we develop a way to like actually communicate with animals, no idea. It's all like, yeah. this is what we think. Yeah. Pretty like, much. <laughs> like, and it's, 
like, how do you answer that question of like, this is what this behavior means, or this is what this tone means when like looking at yeah. the data, like, is it just based on when it's observed or pretty like, much? It? Yeah. Yeah. I, cause you can, so I had like my camera on top and then looking down and I, and I recorded the camera and the hydrophone, which was like my underwater recorder at the same time. So when they matched up, they matched up on time. So I could see, okay, so at 1230, it's making a rasp. And at 1230 on the camera, it's pushing a lobster away from the food. So, so cool. Yeah. Oh, I, I like, I love, but I also hate that it's one of those like, we'll never know. Questions. Yeah. Like, right. It's, it's like, you're like, I'm reasonably confident that this is what's happening. And I think that I could prove it definitively. Like I can. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of prove deep. it. Yeah. But so, you never, you never know. <laughs> yeah. You, who really knows? The only thing yeah. really at the end of the day. Only yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so are you planning to continue this type of research in your PhD? Like, is that what you're kind of looking to do? Yeah. I see when I, I really enjoyed like my lobsters and I, and I love doing bioacoustics, but I think nowadays the, the problem with a lot of research is a lot of humans in like outside of marine biology only care about things that are affecting themselves and in the broad scheme of things like it's really cool that lobsters make sound but it happens with my like friends and family they're like oh cool why is that important I'm like well it's important why, we, the, the yeah. why should I care question it's like okay, yeah it's cool like, yeah is that and it's also thing? like they're a really important predator and we should be responsible for knowing all about their biology but I understand like to me that's like important but to them they're like oh I now know that lobsters in New Zealand can make a sound that's great yeah <laughs> yeah like it's one of those things that's like weirdly important but in a weird like in a way that you wouldn't expect like when yeah. you tell people like you wouldn't be alive without phytoplankton because they produce oxygen it's like okay that's a tangible like understandable thing yeah. but if you try and go through like the entirety of the ocean food chain and how like if you take out these lobsters that's going to take out the or like the urchin urchin population is going to grow uncontrollably mm -hmm. and then the kelp population decreases and like that's going to yeah. have repercussions throughout the entire ocean until it comes back to us yeah i just feel like it's one of those like this doesn't affect me but it does just like further down the line kind of thing. yeah yeah so i would love to my supervisor has this idea i'd, I'd love to stay with him I'm kind of in like a weird scenario at the moment where I had to move back to the US for a little bit, but I'd love to go back and work under him and he was doing stress responses in lobsters um, to noise and I thought that would be really interesting because that's easily applicable to boat noise and human interaction with yeah with like a very important predator in, in the ocean so I'd, I'd love to do that and then also when I was like going through my like measurements of the rasp, their frequency ranges were just crazy. Like, really? <laughs> like from like 112 or 114 frequencies, all like frequency all the way up or Hertz, one or the other, and <laughs> all the way up to like, I think it was something crazy, like 14,000 Hertz, like a very wide range of like yeah. hearing, hearing potential. Oh. So like, what do they hear? Like what part of that rasp? do they hear yeah. and so I'd love to do some like auditory um like potential I think it's called auditory evoked potentials which is how 
you determine what frequency ranges um, an animal can different hear. an animal can hear. So I'd love to do that. It's yeah. so weird to think about. Like even I know I remember reading something about how like shrimp can see like sixteen different colors in weekend. Like mm -hmm. the fact that different animals can see and hear different spectrums than us. Like it's like so hard to wrap your head around because I'm like oh yeah like that sound doesn't exist to me. How are you hearing a sound that doesn't exist? But like yeah because it doesn't exist to me doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Yeah exactly so wild yeah and then the third part of it was because i was supposed to figure out like definitively what causes this rasp and we think oh I, yeah we we think it's their stomach we're like oh, pretty sure it's their stomach because so that's where the sound is coming from is this? yeah okay. pretty sure it's an internal mechanism so like definitively proving that because that also was going to be part of my part thesis of but yeah because the um they're the the lobster's cousin in the Caribbean, the spine, like the Caribbean spiny rock lobster, and there's some European spiny lobsters. They have um, like little files on their antenna, and that's how they make their rasp. But uh, my lobsters don't have that, so it's oh. not an external. It's not on their exoskeleton or anything. So we think it's their stomach. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> that is so cool, and. Actually, you talking about the frequencies, I had a question in my head about that. Yeah. Like, with the rasps, did they sound similar like every time they were made or was there different sounds that they would make or was there, it's just one consistent rasp? It's like, so it's usually in pulses. So they'll like rasp for maybe like a second pause and then continue on until they feel like stopping. Like some of them are very vocal and they'll just like rasp continuously cool. for like half an hour. And some of them will do it for like they'll be like three times and then stop so that is so cool i'm really yeah. looking forward to hearing this research and like if you had told me even at the beginning of this podcast that i'd be this interested in okay so like <laughs> i'd be like okay yeah like that sounds cool but like i'm like ready to read this now oh good oh i gotta write it yeah that's the, think, that's the i don't know if i want to do that part yeah <laughs> i have like half of it written but i it's you know it's like the first published paper that I'm ever gonna do and I'm like a little bit I I'm I don't want to like face it almost and also like after you know 13 intense months of research I'm like I need a break for just cut me some slack please yeah yeah let's I know yeah. I'm, in the, I'm in the writing stage right now and I'm just like please I have mental health like I just yeah be okay for a minute like yeah it's just it can be so overwhelming like it's just <sighs> but yeah. I'm so excited for you and like okay no, okay. no. <laughs> yeah so if there was a little girl listening to this and like she was like I want to learn everything about lobsters what would be some of your advice for like going into bioacoustics or Ooh. going into anything of that sort like what's something you wish you had known that's a good question uh I I things that I wish I would have known is that like not not only marine mammals make sounds <laughs> That's yeah. a big one. I feel like that's a yeah. That needs to get out there a bit more. Yeah, you can you can study. I want to say you can study almost anything with bioacoustics, and the amount I've just learned about how bioacoustics is affected, not like only on a species level, but like on the time of day, the time of year, like all of this really interesting stuff. I think if you want to go into bioacoustics there is so much you can study. It's like wide open and it's always evolving because 
you know, as humans, we are gaining more and more technology and like boat noise is becoming more of an issue. And it's, it's just a really wide range that I think can fit quite a lot of research I feel into like it. I hear a lot about like how like shipping and anthropogenic noises is going to affect marine mammals. Like that's a huge thing that's talked about. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it doesn't really get like brought up about like smaller animals or less yeah. charismatic animals that are also using sounds to communicate. Like how is that affecting them? Like all people care about is whales, which like is rich coming from right. me. I am whale girl. It's <laughs> all right. Yeah. You know, like I also care about some other things. Okay. Like I care about yeah. Yeah. And I think the most important part is just do something you're passionate about. Like, yeah, if I think for me, it was always like in the back of my mind to do bioacoustics, but like, don't, don't give up on if you're like 100% whales and dolphins, like go, go, just make your force yourself into it. Like you can do it. (laughs) You mentioned how marine mammals is like a competitive field earlier. Mm -hmm. And I think now it's so hard to find a field that's not competitive. Right. Like like every field you go into is going to be competitive. Right. You have to be ready for that. And it has to be something that you're passionate about so that like you can fight for your spot almost. Yeah. No one's going to hand you anything. Like you have to I'm ready to do this. I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to put the work in because I love it. Yeah. Like if you're getting up every day and you're going to study a certain type of fish that you do not care about, you're not going to have fun. You're not going to have a good time. But if you're excited about it, then you're going to have a great time. You might have hard days. It's never going (laughs) to be. No, true. (laughs) I'm sure you had your days where you just looked at a lobster and was like, I hate you. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) I love that. It was like, I don't want lobsters to exist today. Yeah. I was like, looking at it, just like, if you went extinct, how bad would it be? Yeah, right. do I really need to study you right now? Is it that important? Or you're like, no, it is. I need to get this. I love that. Yeah, definitely. So if people wanted to follow along with you and your lobsters and your academic journey, where can they find you on social media? So I'm on uh, Instagram. I was about to say Facebook, but nobody, (laughs) nobody wants, I'm not, I'm not really on Facebook. (laughs) No one is anymore. Like it just, it was 2013 Facebook, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably the best place where I post all of my research kind of, or like sciencey. It's like a mix of my life and my, and my science, <laughs> science side. Yeah. And my, what's it called? A handle. My handle is smithington00. Perfect. And that will yeah. be linked in the bio of the podcast as well. So make sure to go check Jess out because I'm so excited about these lobsters. Oh, I want to know how and why. Like I want, I need that definitive proof. I'm going to need you to email me your PhD is to like, sounds good. <laughs> throw at the process. Like, it's, yeah. you know, I need to be the first phone call. Like I'm excited. Sounds good. I'll send you, I'll send you my draft when I, <laughs> please, please. Like, when I edit it, no, I'll just enjoy it. Just look at it. Yeah. Just have fun. You know, I'll just say only the good things because I feel yeah. like you need that when you send out a draft from at least one person, like yep. just, you're sending it out to people to edit and everyone's sending it back like covered in red and you just need one person to be like, this is great. You did good. Yeah. I always, I, I, I'm sure everyone feels this, but when you get the critiques back from your supervisor and you just like want to cry it's inside internally, yep. you're like, I'm not, I know this isn't a personal attack on me, but it feels like but it. it. But it's just, it's hard to get that feedback sometimes where you're like, yeah. it's hard not to take it personal. And like, yeah, you know, you know, in your mind, you're like, this is not personal. This is just critiquing to help me be better. And then you read it. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to cry. Pretty much. I've, I think everyone who does anything in the marine biology world is putting their blood, sweat and tears into oh. the, 
into their research yeah passion field for sure you have to be in love with what you do otherwise yeah I mean otherwise like who would be out there at like six in the morning throwing lobsters into a tank or like (laughs) putting putting dead squid in a bag trying to come on make some noises (laughs) I love that that is amazing well Jess thank you so so much for joining me on the podcast today fantastic oh I love that thank you for listening to another episode of the water women podcast I love sharing these stories with you and I love that you love to listen make sure if you like the podcast you're leaving a review and liking and subscribing to the podcast it really helps us out you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Water Women Podcast and on Twitter at Water Women Pod. You can also check out more from us, including quizzes, blog posts, and shop our site at waterwomenpodcast.ca. Thanks again for listening, and until next week, stay salty.